I just want to advise you that if your prayer was that the sermon be short, God did not hear your prayer. <laughs> the gospel that we just heard is a very alarming gospel. It is as hard for me to read that to you as it is for you to hear it. But it's the reality. God is speaking the truth to us. Because God has set up things so that we show our desire to serve him who is not among us physically by serving those who are among us physically. That's God's plan. That's how he encourages us to care for one another. For what he is telling us is that whatever you do for anybody, and it's always the doing of it. It's not you deciding whether the people are worthy for you to do it. God's not concerned with the worthiness of whether the person who appears to be in need is asking you for some help. He wants to see your heart. He'll deal with the fakers who use that opportunity to manipulate society and other people and are not worthy of the help that they have given. That's between that person and God. What's between you and God is your willingness to reach out to someone who asks. And Jesus, in effect, says, don't worry about them and whether they're worthy or whether they deserve it or whether they're going to be appreciative for what you do for them. See me in them. And do what you do as an act of love and service for me. God has given us the perfect formula. It's not our job to decide who's worthy or not. It's our job to respond wherever we see a seeming need. And that's what God rewards. That's the assurance that he gives us. And that's the positive part of that part of Scripture that we ought to focus in on. Because what God is trying to do is convince us how important it is to be proactive and to do things for people. Not to pay other people to do things for you. Because when you do that only and take yourself out of the equation, then you also take yourself away from the blessing that God desires to give you. God wants us to roll up our sleeves and to get involved and to care for the needs that we see around us. That's what's so beautiful about what took place yesterday and takes place every uh, 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 second uh, Saturday of every month uh, in Scordon Hall when we provide food and the necessities of life for needy families. And while we do try to uh, qualify the people who are coming in and determine that they have a real need, it's not our desire to concentrate on that other people do that. We need to be involved. 
And God certainly has a special blessing for those 60, 70 people who show up every Saturday, Friday and Saturday, and get involved in the caring for others. God wants us to be involved. Now, the beautiful thing about that passage that Jesus was telling us about the positive way of getting us involved is the New Testament focus on the Old Testament law of Moses that gave a list of prohibitions of how we are not supposed to live. God tried to make it very clear for us. That's Jesus' whole purpose in coming to this earth and preaching to us and teaching us. He wanted us to understand what God expects of us for this wonderful gift of life that he has given us. He wants us to use this gift of life to serve other people. It's very important that we understand the Mosaic Law and the list of prohibitions that God has given us because those are basic. But he wanted to flesh them out and to express them in a positive way. The law that Moses gave, you remember, was given in ten ordinances. And the first four had to do with our relationship with God. That we acknowledge him as the one and only God and allow no other God or idols to come in our life and take the love and service that we owe only to God. And then the second six have to do with our relationship with each other. And that's where the rubber meets the road for so many believers who have no trouble believing in God and feeling that they're serving God and fulfilling the requirements of the law. But you know the disdain that Jesus had for those who only lived by the law and were not willing to go out a little bit further to do the practical things that were needed in the world. And that's what Jesus was talking about, how we serve other people. And that's what the, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth commandment was all about. And so Jesus was just fleshing them out. Now, we are spending a period of time during the Advent season, during the uh, Epiphany season, to look at uh, uh, this relationship that we have from God that calls us to be a queer and strange uh, and weird people compared to the culture in which we live, to be different and odd from them. That's what we are called to be. Not just for the sake of being different, but to be revolutionary. Throughout the history of the Old Testament, there were always those instances where God's people failed him, and every time they failed him, it was because they bought into the culture in which they lived and turned against him and served the culture. And that's the same thing that God is calling us to do now, that we cannot afford to, to submit to the culture in which we live but we must be faithful to the calling that God puts on our life. We must be revolutionary. 
We must be strong enough not to go with the flow, just to simply do things because that's what other people are doing, just to go along with what is politically correct. Throughout history, those who have been faithful to God have been referred to as the faithful remnant. Remember when you were young and your mother told you, be careful who you associate with? And because if you go with people and they get into trouble, they're going to get you into trouble, and you got into trouble. And your mother said, why did you do that? Well, everybody else was doing it. And your mother said, well, if they jumped off a bridge, would you jump off the bridge? And you said, probably. (laughs) See, we are supposed to be that faithful remnant that says we don't care what other people are choosing to do and how they're going to live and where they're going. God has told us very clearly what we're supposed to do and that's what we're going to be faithful to. You and I are called to be in the 21st century the faithful remnant of God and not use the excuse of what other people are doing to set our values and our actions. Today we're supposed to focus in on the sanctity of life and how we as a faithful remnant are supposed to respect human life in every form and condition because life is a gift from God. We do not create life. We have the power to destroy life but we cannot create life. Only God can, and life is sacred to God and must be respected and honored. The first two commandments, and you know the commandments are listed in the, in the order of priority of what is most important. That's why the four in our service to God lead the commandments. And then in our relationship to each other, those six are listed in order of their importance. What is the most important thing for us to do? And those those two commandments that lead off the, the second group of commandments that talk about our relationship to each other is honor your father and your mother and thou shalt not kill. And both of those focus in on the sanctity of life and how we are to respect life in the form in which God gave it and to live it accordingly. The fifth commandment says, honor your father and your mother that you may have a long and prosperous life and receive a blessing. You know, that's a very important thing as God starts off this second six of commandments. The first one that he gives us about honoring your mother and your father is the only one that carries a specific blessing for it. If you do this, you will be blessed in ways that you cannot even yet imagine. But if you fail to do this, then you put yourself in jeopardy and you remove yourself from the blessings that God desires to heap upon you. Honor your father and your mother. 
Jesus gives us the parameters of life. And what he is saying to us is that your family focus is one of the most important things for you. Because when you're born into this world where you learn to be a human being is in the family. A girl learns to be a female by watching her mother. She learns to be a wife by watching her mother. She learns to be a mother by watching her mother. A man learns to be a man by observing his father. He learns to be a brother by watching his father. He learns to be a husband by watching his father. He learns to be a father by watching his father. God is telling us that how our life is formed is in the family. And that is more important than we realize because that is when we awaken to life and how we ought to live it and the examples that we have to follow. So God is saying that in the family there should be a mother and a father. That is a family. The world around us, while recognizing that there are going to be circumstances that may make that impossible, there may be the death of a parent, there may be a painful divorce or separation that breaks the family, and we refer to that, you know, as a broken family, a broken home. And those terms tell us that that's not normal, that's not natural, that's what, not what God wants, that's not what we should strive for. But you and I live in a society today that has a love affair with the freedom that people can define things any way they want and live their life any way they want without any uh, idea about what is going to happen to them. And so the world around you said, if two women want to come together and form a family, they're a family and you have to recognize them and give them the right to be a family. If two men want to do this, then you have to recognize and give them the right to do the family. Now the state can say that because the state has the laws. But that, they can't force you into that type of situation. And that's where we part company with them. And we must do all that we can to lobby against that direction that society is going. But right now, our responsibility is we see this will not happen in my family. That my family will be a faithful family in which a father will be a father whom a son can look up to. And a mother will be a mother whom a daughter can learn from. And we want to make sure that our families have this relationship. So while those things may change, we have to realize that was not God's plan. And depending on the circumstances that bring those strange situations about, those people are answerable to God. But our responsibility is very clear. We are to be the family that God calls us to be. And as that family, we must give that example to others. And just as the Christian church in 1 AD 
for that was a vast minority in the world, was able within 300 years to change society. So we have the power to do that now. The power is not in us. The power is in God. But he says, if you're faithful to do what's expected to you, then I will be faithful to do what's expected of me. And I will begin to touch hearts of people on all strata of society and make the changes that we need to make. But if we fail to be the faithful remnant and go down the tube with everyone else, then we're responsible for that decision. So the sanctity of life is first preached to us by God in that fifth commandment. And we have to see the importance of that. The sixth commandment very clearly speaks, Thou shall not murder. Notice it doesn't say you shall not kill because there are circumstances sometime when you have the right to kill, to defend yourself or to defend your country or in extreme circumstances. Murder means you cannot unlawfully or without a proper reason take another life because all life is sacred. And that was the clear teaching of Almighty God. Now you may ask, if life is so sacred, why did God command the Israelites to stone people who broke the law and did things serious enough to require capital punishment? That is so brutal and that is so primitive of stoning a person to death. It certainly is different from the culture in which we live. We like to do things antiseptically. We like to not be involved and then just put them in a quiet room in a penitentiary and do whatever form they do and have somebody else do the dirty work with us. And you know, it's very easy to send people to capital punishment that way because we're not involved. The state is doing that. So listen to what God intended man to realize the sanctity of life. God said, if someone has done something so horrendous that they deserve to be killed, then that has to be the decision of the whole community in which they live. Not a panel of 12 people, not one judge, but the whole village has to agree that society has been so confronted by this evil action of this person that they deserve death, and we all agree. That means that the wife of that man who is condemned to be stoned to death has to agree to it. His mother and father have to agree to it. His brothers and sisters have to agree to it. Everybody in the community has to agree to it. It's not something that's done by a vote of majority, but everyone has to agree to it. Do you know how hard it is to get everybody to agree to anything? Almost impossible. God was making it very difficult to inflict stoning on anyone because of the parameters that he laid down. And then he even revved it up another notch. 
If the whole family, if the whole uh, village agrees that this person needs to, to be uh, uh, subjected to capital punishment, then everybody has to participate in it. You don't elect an executioner to do your dirty work. Everybody has to do it. So the person who was condemned to death is taken out to the edge of the village to what in effect is the city garbage dump and thrown into the pit and everyone has to come with a large rock and throw it down on the person. No one is excused. Everyone has to participate so that it is the action of the whole community. And the other beauty in it is is that you cannot tell which stone took the life of the person. Everyone participating in it did it. It was a community event. That is, was a hard thing to do. We sometimes get the idea that stoning used to be every Friday night like we have football games. And in some third world pagan countries, that is true. There are those executions. But that was not the way it was in the land of the Hebrews, and that's not the teaching or the theology that God had. Life is sacred. There's so much more I would like to say about this, and I'll slip it in on another sermon later on, but I'm a victim of the clock, and so I've got to move on now. Let me just uh, uh, sum it up by saying that you are called to be the remnant of God that is faithful to his calling and his teaching. And we here at St. Paul are striving to instruct you in the importance of that. Do not take it lightly. Do not leave it up to other people to decide in which direction our country was going. Dig in your heels and stand firm for what God expects of us. And we will be blessed. Amen?